This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah, and I kind of want to step back into the rainy, gloomy day in Boston that was breakup day. Because um, some of the answers, like, obviously got to this crazy said that it was like this was a, a loss comparable to losing the series against St. Louis in 2019. Um, a lot of guys had that same sinking feeling that they had that year when they came really close and they just thought they had the team to get it done. Um, Krejci said, these are the best defensemen I've ever played with. I've played with a lot of great defensemen because if you think back, you know, playing with Krug, Chara, um, Boyd, Chuck, McQuaid, like they're, they're, you can name a lot of good Bruins defensemen over the last 10 years. Um, but he thought this is the best decor that they've been able to put together. Um, and he just thought there was the best goalie situation that they've been able to put together. Um, and he started listing off the different aspects of the team, why he thought they were going to have a real shot this year. Um, so and I did feel bad for Krejci, and I didn't. I didn't get a chance to comment on this earlier when Scott started talking about Krejci and Bergeron. But um, I didn't realize this, but it came up in his in his interview that his family wasn't here this season. His yeah, they're in, was, they're in South Carolina. So his family wasn't in Boston, and he said that it was the best season and the worst season at the same time for him because. And he said, if the team wasn't as good as they were, I would have packed it up midseason and I would have gone home because he missed his family. Um, and so do you see this team being this good next year? No. Does that does that mean Krejci doesn't even want to try? Probably. And he said he wants to make his decision pretty quickly. Um, so he's going to go back home, meet his family. He was one of the guys who said, I'm getting out of here. Like, I'm going right home. Um, wanted to be with his family, and it hurt him this year that he wasn't. So – um, it's different if his family had come and been in Boston that it's kind of like, okay, well, we can give it one more shot. But if your family's not going to be there, that's a huge sacrifice that you're making and that they're making. And we had heard him give his wife credit in the past about, you know, being cool with him doing it. But at the end of the day, sometimes even if both of both sides are cool doing it, then it just might not, you might not be happy doing it when, when it actually happens. So um, that I think makes me lean that Krejci's not coming back. I also feel like the fact that he wasn't able to help for all seven games, which he alluded alluded to, met, made him feel like he hurt the team and he doesn't want to feel like that. Um, so I kind of got the sense that he was making the decision 
to leave. Um, if I'm being honest, he obviously said the same thing that Bergeron said, which was to either Bruins or retirement. He doesn't want to go back and play in the Czech Republic. But when he was asked if Bergeron's decision played into his, he said no. Um, whereas Bergeron, when he was asked if Krejci's decision played into his, he said, oh, wait a minute, I didn't think of that. So I honestly do think Bergeron hasn't decided yet based on some of his answers. But if Krejci's so, willing to make his uh, decision in the next two to three weeks, you got to think he's already leaning one way. So Krejci said he felt like he let the team down because he didn't get to play in all seven games. Well, he shouldn't He shouldn't feel that way because they won the three games that he didn't play in and he, they lost the four games he did play in. So maybe uh, there's a little irony there and they would have won had he not Well, then that more. still makes you feel bad, doesn't it? Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. A little they, bit. They won one of the ones he played, game one, but. Oh, you're right. Yeah, but yeah, that was in spite of. No, look, he's he's a, um, he's a great Bruin, obviously. If this is it for him, then he deserves a ton of uh, accolades and recognition for what he's done. Uh, I don't know. I, like same thing with Bergeron too. Like when you when you guys brought it up earlier, if I'm if I'm Bergeron, I uh, from a competitive standpoint, I we can have still. A guest. What's that? <laughs> People watching on YouTube can can see that we have a guest. Yeah, I knew he'd be here at some point. He's he's a you know he's a camera hog. He likes to get his face on camera. Uh, Xerxes, Xerxes well, the cat. Oh, he's gonna itch himself now. Sorry guys. We'll get we'll, we'll get his take in a minute. He's clearly a Panthers fan. Um, so if I'm Bergeron, like from a competitive standpoint, yeah, he still has it. But if I'm him, I'm seriously questioning, can, can my body hold up for, for the playoffs? Like he went, he played, did he play in all 82 games this year leading up or close to it before Montreal? He played most of the games, right? He did. He played, he didn't play in all 82, but for most of the season, he was on the list, the short list of guys that had played every game. So yeah, he, he rested four. I think he ended up at okay. 78. But only so, at the very end. Yeah. I would I would feel discouraged if I were him. I would feel like okay. So even if even if I do talk to my wife and, and my family and we decide that I'm going to give it another go, it's like I would be discouraged. It's like okay, but like, am I going to get hurt again when it matters most? And that's like I a, actually feel like he was encouraged because once someone asked him, did did you think that your health held up the like better than you expected? mostly I think this answer was mostly about the regular season, but he said, yes, like he didn't during the regular season, he felt like, and you know, NHL caliber 100%, like wasn't dealing with injuries, um, recovered from surgery, you know, and if he doesn't need surgery this off season, he's already setting himself up, um, you know, for, to be a little bit ahead of schedule for next year. Um, he had, was it elbow surgery in the off season? Yeah. Before. And so like, you know, not having to rehab from an injury in the off season that that helps um going into next year and I do think he felt pretty comfortable playing most of the year. It just was that one freak thing in that Montreal game which he confirmed that it was something that happened in that first period in that game and he said like, you know, it was all part of the plan so they were never going to go away from the plan and then at the end he said if I had a crystal ball obviously I wouldn't have played in that game. But I mean that's revisionist just like most of the other stuff we've been talking about, but yeah. aside yeah. from that he felt pretty good most of the year. Yeah, because like the things he's been concerned about for years because he's dealt with them for years is groin and hips and he even said that yesterday and isn't it two years in a row he's got to the end of the year and those have felt good. You know, yeah. last year was the elbow he he needed surgery on. And this year it's the back that that pops up. But 
the the stuff that like has been on and off that he's been dealing with for years has actually held up for two years in a row. So I think that part of it, at least he's encouraged by, but yeah, I mean, we'll see ultimately though, he still ends up with an injury at the end. So, um, you know, we'll, we'll see. Like, like I said, like I, I, I don't know if it's 50, 50. I don't, I don't know which way I'm leaning. Like after the loss on Sunday, I was certainly leaning towards that being it just because of how emotional he, he looked, but he looked really emotional last year after game yeah. seven too. So I don't know if that really tells us, you know, one way or another, but um, obviously he could come back and play. He's going to win the Selkie this year. Uh, by the way, got, they officially announced that he was one of the three finalists that came out on a Tuesday night. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, really, like if you're the Bruins, it would really be ideal if, you know, you're kind of at a point where you could slide Bergeron down the lineup a little bit and, you know, I don't know about third line, but at least like a clear number two center. And, you know, it'd be great if like his ice time got down to around like 16 minutes or so on a consistent basis. But the reality is, is like he would, he would still be the number one center or, you know, 1A with Zaka if, if Zaka is really ready to step up. But, like, they would still be so reliant on him if he came back. Like he's 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 too good, and they don't have another clear answer, you know, to to pick up the slack if you were if you were to make a conscious effort to, to limit his minutes. Yeah, and, and uh, if you were able – if Krejci left, say, and you were able to somehow bring back Bertuzzi, you could run back – two lines that worked for you late in the season, which was would be Bertuzzi, Zaka Pasternak, and Marshawn, Bergeron, DeBrusque. So those are two of your top lines that you're, you'd be keeping together if you could somehow get Bertuzzi to sign. and um, Or you could, you know, keep the check line together instead if Krejci wants to come back. But I, I really don't see him coming back. But then you have the same situation with your third line, Hall, Coyle, Frederick. And you really, you're looking at a roster that – isn't that changed um, from this past year in terms of the forward lines? But, um, yeah, I, I do think, though, if, if you're bringing back Bertuzzi, I, like, I almost feel like Hall has to go. Like, yeah, it, it does really feel like one or the other because just with, with the cap crunch they have, like, you, you can't have that much money tied up in, in wings. It was, yeah. you know, it was such an enormous luxury this year to have Hall as a third liner. But, like, if, if he's back, he's he's in the top six. So, Bertuzzi would be in the top six and it almost feels like you have to, you know, if you're, if you're signing Bertuzzi, like I almost feel like you have to trade Hall away, especially, especially if Bertuzzi is going to get over 5 million. Like I don't really see how else you you make it work. Well, and Hall's contract is 6 million. That's, I mean, it's a pretty big contract in terms of when you look through some of the other like depth forwards, like he's at 6 million, Charlie Coyle's at five and a quarter. Well, those are third line guys that are taking up quite a bit of your cap. And even Jake DeBrusque is only at 4 million, um, but he's only here with you for one more year. And then he becomes an unrestricted free agent. So maybe that plays into it. Whereas Hall and Coyle have a little bit of time left on their term. Um, I think, you know, Zaka is locked in for another four years. I don't think they're going to try, they would try to move him. He seems like a piece that they're absolutely projecting into their future to have here. So um, yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, Hall or DeBrusque probably make the most sense. And it would be DeBrusque would make more sense if you, you know, if you really think he would leave in free agency and you want to get something back for him. I, I don't, I don't know. Um, I guess this move isn't even about getting anything back. It's about just clearing the books <laughs> to try to get money. Right. And, and again, what would be nice is if somebody like uh, Fabian Lysel can put on 15 pounds of muscle this off season and maybe mid season next year, he's a full-time fixture on your third line on left, on the left side, because you don't have a Taylor hall anymore. Like part of this too, is that the Bruins like, you have these kids in the in the system that some of them you think could play, like Merkerloff. Like I don't know if he projects next year at some point of the year afterwards, but like some there's a there's a silver lining to some of these guys not being able to hold on to, and that is let's see what you have in some of these players, and I think that's something to look forward to as well. And then look, I think Taylor Hall certainly had a fantastic postseason. Well, he was a little bit quiet in the last couple of games, but um, he had injuries this year. But I don't look. He's he's he gets another year older. He's he can still motor, but I don't I don't know. I don't know. I don't. He's a good he's a good player to have, but I don't, I'm not too concerned if they can't find a way to hold on to him because because hopefully you can have somebody in like Lysel who can come in with some fresh legs, or if it's not Lysel, it could be somebody else. But I would I, I just I just like Bertuzzi. I, I like his style of play better, and I like his age a little bit better, obviously. So yeah, something. The more like I look at the cap, though, like I'm just looking at it now. That Pasna contract really fucks him over. Like that is gonna be that's a huge step up from like what Pasnak's getting paid this year. It's I mean, it depends how you look at it. You're not getting sixty plus goal scores. Right. Do it. Yeah, no, I was gonna no, say, I you, mean, you're I mean, more fucked terms, over if he's gone. No, I mean in terms of trying to make the numbers work. <laughs> and, well, no, and, what what fucks them over a lot more than that is the four and a half million dollar bonuses from Krejci and Bergeron's contract, which. I think their initial plan was to try to have some cap space at the end of the year to absorb that. And Taylor Hall and Nick Felino get injured days before the trade deadline. And they say, well, screw that. We're already all in. Let's get Tyler Bertuzzi. And we're going to have four and a half million dollars in bonus overage. Like that's just what it is. That, that was, that was really the last straw was like once they had to use long-term IR more and went and added Bertuzzi, it was, you know, all that money was going to carry over. And that's, if you remember, like, that's what hurt them in 2014-15 was Jerome McGinley's bonuses carrying over and really hampering what Shirelli could do with the cap. And they missed the playoffs that next year and Shirelli gets fired. And that's why Don Sweeney had to hit the reset button when he first took over. So that's why I think, you know, especially if Berger and Krejci both retire, I kind of think, again, it's not a rebuild. It's not a teardown. But I do think you have to hit that reset button and accept that the next year or two might be tough. And you just hope, you know, two, three, four years from now, you're you're ready to go again. And, you know, your Lysel and Merkulov and Lorai are ready to be sort of the next the next core on top of, you know, coming up behind your your McAvoy Pasternak class. So um, and if you're going to do that, then you absolutely trade Taylor Hall because there's no point in keeping a 32, 33 year old Taylor Hall around for two years of resetting. Like that doesn't. What about might as uh, well trade him away and get whatever you can. What about uh? So if if Bergeron and Krejci both retire, let's just say, 
going into next year, if you don't have those two guys, mainly Bergeron, like I think we all agree, if there's no creature, they can still pretty much achieve what they might want to achieve. But if Bergeron's not back next year, this is, this is a question I posed last offseason. If Bergeron doesn't come back next year, they're not winning a cup. We all agree on that, right? Okay. Yep. So the point you just made about Taylor Hall, 31 years old, what about a 35 or 36 year old Brad Marchand, 37 year old Brad Marchand? If what, why, why, if you can, if you can trade him for to really help that accelerate a potential uh, stockpiling during a rebuild, what's the point of keeping him around during during a rebuild? Wasn't this a wasn't this like a Milbury talking point at one point? Was it last year or two years ago? I feel well, like on one of our shows, it was like trade them at the deadline and, and you know, get yeah, what you can. Not if they're competitive, but if you know going into a year that you don't have a number one center, to, I'm just, gonna, just going off of what Scott said about Taylor Hall. Why would you want a 31 year old Taylor Hall around for a rebuild? Why would you want a 37 year old Brad Marsh around for a rebuild if you can? Because they're not going to, they're not doing a full rebuild. That's, that's just like, well, I don't know. Here's, here's my answer because, because Brad Marsh is your captain if Patrice Bergeron retires. And I think, him setting the tone and making sure that everyone is approaching these next couple of years, this bridge, whatever. I think there's real value in that and still having him as a leader and still having his work ethics, setting the example and setting the tone for everyone. Not that I don't, to- you know, trust Charlie McAvoy or David Pasenak if they would be the next C if you trade Marshand, but I wonder if everyone's building their game exactly the right way. If you lose Bergeron, Krejci, Marchand all at once. So I think there's still real value in having Brad Marchand as your captain through the next couple of years. He like made a case for himself. It was like he was campaigning for to be the next Bergeron when Bergeron was out and he was being so well behaved and he was doing all the right things. They're going to have to try to get some of those first-round picks back, though, some way, right? You would imagine? I mean, when's their next first-round pick? Two years from now? Yeah. I mean, I don't know if they're going to. like. I would say at the very least, like you've got to get a second-round pick somewhere because they don't have any of those in the next three drafts. So, yeah, you want to recoup some of those picks. To me, whether it's a first-rounder or not, I don't know. I mean, if you can, if you can find someone who – makes you a crazy offer like when they traded Milan Lucic and got a mid first out of that then great you know to me like Taylor Hall would be like the Milan Lucic comparable like someone that in my mind I'm like I don't really think he's worth a first anymore but maybe someone out there thinks he is like I don't know well because like to the point Bridget just made a few minutes ago she said that they're not gonna fully rebuild and I I agree with you I was more so speaking hypothetically but another reason why they shouldn't fully rebuild is because if they do tank, they don't have the first round picks. So like, yeah, exactly. they'd be, they'd be tanking for nothing. Like, there's point. absolutely no part purpose right. to it. Yeah. Right? No, there's not. Um, that's that's a great point. I I did want to clarify what I meant about the Pasternak thing though, because I feel like you guys immediately like took it a different way than I meant it. Pasternak's contract goes up five million from this Bridget past. hates David Pasternak title for the <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, there's no way in hell I was saying, oh, you should have signed him. Like, no, this, this, and this is what he deserves. But in terms of where your money is tied up next year, that's five million dollars more that's going to Pasternak, right? So it's not like you're getting him back at the same price you had him this year. 
he's $5 million more expensive next year. Plus you had the four and a half from the bonuses from Krejci and Bergeron. And that's where your, your money is going. And then you're looking at, okay, who, who, like, where can we dump some of this money? Even if you dump Grizzlick, Forbert, Hall, I'm still not even sure you have enough money for Bertuzzi. Like it's it that's how crazy it is. Um yeah. with you, you do if you if you do that much, but if you by if the way, you, like we've barely touched on this, but also Lena Salmark makes five million and mm-hmm. he's never gonna have higher value than he has right now. I mean, I guess if he had been better in the playoffs, that helps, yeah. but you know, if like I would be seriously considering trading one of the goalies and Allmark gets you something in return and frees up money. Trading Swayman's tough because he, he, he's an RFA. You're not going to get maximum value. If you, you know, if you're trying to trade him because his new team would have to negotiate the contract. Um, but they, they didn't use the rotation in the playoffs this year. So if you're, if you're not going to use both goalies and take advantage of that, then you might as well trade them. Like Brandon Bussey had a really good year in the HL. I think, he's probably ready to be a backup in the NHL. So I would absolutely be open to that as well. And that's certainly another piece that could free up a a decent chunk of money. Well, look at the, uh, I just feel like goaltending in the, in in the NHL these days, there's a lot of promising young goalies out there in different leagues. And I just, I just think you can find, you don't, you can find somebody. And I was just looking up the, the goalie for, for the devils right now the Schmied kid like he was he was a he was a what's it say 100 he was picked 136th overall in 2018 like and he's backstopping the devils like into the, in the playoffs right now like you can find you can find guys and i know I, i'm not trying to like oversimplify things i just think there's an abundance of talent out there you you don't have to be married to to the to Olmark, in my opinion Swayman was a fourth round pick and Swayman, I feel like maybe you can glean a little bit about what they might be planning for their future with whatever contract they give Swayman um, with his restricted free agent contract. That's, that's coming up this off season. So um, he was a deep pick and you've developed him internally. So that makes, you know, because he's a restricted free agent, that means he is not going to get as, big of a payday as somebody that could go on the open market and, and shop different teams and whatnot. But, um, but I do want to say By Scott, the way, just on Swayman, I'll go back to uh, my evolving hockey projections here. They have him as an RFA three years, 4.1 million a year, which actually the money actually seems a little higher than I was expecting, but it would be hard to argue against him deserving that. Mm-hmm. No. Yeah, you're right. Um, I just wonder, I say, I think maybe the term, how long the term is kind of might tell you what direction they might want to go in if it's right. I mean, maybe you can lower that eight AV, like Mm -hmm. try to do five years, you know, what, like 3.6 or something like that. I don't know, but. And by the way, getting rid of, getting rid of Grizzly Forbert and Hall like I said, does not open enough cap space for Bertuzzi at the projected um, amount that you said, just so you know, because of the bonuses from Krejci and Bergeron. I'm looking at the cap right now. Well, no, it, it, I mean, Hall's 6 million, like that, that alone. Six, yeah, but you're adding, you're adding uh, five and a half for pasta that you, and then four and a half from. But that's all, that's all taken into account already though. 
in yeah, maybe we're looking at different things here they, but... they have five million dollars of cap space to play with right now so you have to free more up on top of that oh okay uh, but that's already had, taking into account Pasternak's number jumping and all of that. I I, I got I have one final question for you two for, on my end before we wrap up, and I'm gonna refer to a tweet that Scott put out last night watching the Panthers. Oh, sorry about that microphone. Uh, putting watching the uh, Panthers Maple Leafs game. You, you made you made a comment about just the Panthers play and how it some teams just. They just it all clicks at the right time, and so all all year we talk about the President's Trophy curse and the President's Trophy curse. My I guess my question is, in light of recent events, Scott, you were never a believer in the President's Trophy curse. I'm asking if your opinion on that has changed, and the reason I ask you that to link it back to the Panthers tweet that you had is a big reason that the Panthers are clicking all at the same time. I feel like is just because of the situation that they were in down the stretch in the second half of the year of having to play for their lives all year. I just felt like they were, they were just jiving. And I, and I, and I think that the reason the president's trophy curse might be a thing. We talked about it. It's not because the roster isn't good or the talent's not there, but is it tough to play your best hockey of the year going into the playoffs when you just, it's, you just don't have that legitimate desperation to get in. You can try to manufacture it. I'm guessing, I guess I'm asking, does the president's trophy curse is, is that why it might be that way? Because teams just can't replicate desperation when they, until it's too late. It might be part of it. I, I, I still don't believe in the curse. What I believe in is parody. Like no take, you know, 43 point difference aside out of it. Like I just think the difference between a one and eight in the NHL just isn't the same as it is in other sports. It's, it's, not the NBA where, you know, your one seed has three superstars and your eight seed has none. It's not the NFL where your one seed has Patrick Mahomes and your seven seed or whatever has, you know, Mac Jones. Sorry, Mac, but like that, it, it's just, it's just not the same as, as other sports. Like the closest, I guess would be baseball where, you know, a team's pitching rotation can, can get hot and you knock off the top team, but yeah, I just think no matter how deep your roster is, and the Bruins obviously was very deep, like in a salary cap league where pretty much every playoff team is spending to the cap, there's just there's not going to be that huge of a difference between the top seed and the eighth seed. Like talent level is going to, you know, you look at that Panthers team, like there's a lot of talent there. And that's because they've spent to the cap and they've spent on it. So, um, I don't, I don't believe in the curse. I just think there's, think, there's too much parity and you know, the, there's not going to be a huge difference from top to bottom. That's why we see so many upsets every year. I think that's kind of what Brian means though. Right? Like the curse isn't just like, obviously we don't believe in, in the curse. We don't believe in witchcraft. We don't believe Scott doesn't believe in karma. He doesn't believe in the hockey gods though. Um, but like, obviously we're not saying they're really witchcraft at play, like the voodoo, like that. No. Um, I think what Brian's getting at is um, there's a reason why presence there's, there's the underlying reason that everybody just lazily says is the curse, um, which are the, the factors that, are really going on that is why president's trophy teams struggle and that's that's what you're saying brian um i also think parity for one but also um i think home ice is not really as 
big as like home court advantage in basketball. Um, so that like you were wondering if that was going to factor into the Bruins series. It didn't really feel like it did. Obviously, they lose three of those games at home, including game seven. So sometimes that can make a difference. I mean, when you think about the year that the Bruins beat Vancouver, that was at Vancouver. St. Louis beats the Bruins in Boston uh, to win the Stanley Cup in 2019. Um, I The series that go along and you go to game seven, you really don't necessarily feel like home ice is such a huge thing. Um, so there, there are definitely a lot of things that underlie the, the curse so to speak. Um, but this year, though, it did feel like there was enough that the Bruins had to combat any of those things that I just listed, um, and they did not. And so because of that, the curse will be talked about in Boston. The choking will be talked about in Boston. I'm going to have to go listen to Adam Jones uh, talk about effort from now until the end of time, uh, about how this team, he knew it, this team, their goaltending was no good and he knew it. They were going to choke, but like, obviously he, he did. He's, he must have known he, it. he's not, uh, you know, a psychic either. And, uh, he, he, you know, sometimes, well, sometimes like, you're right on accident. It happens to us all the time. <laughs> Even you can base everything off of facts. The fact that Scott and I were at every home game the whole year and saw it all with our own eyes. Uh, sometimes you can just make it up and you're the, right. The real curse, the real curse was Jones jumping on the bandwagon. We, we should have known it was over uh, yeah. the, the second he, he went on air and said they were going to win the cup. It, yeah. We should have known that was it. Yeah. Anyway, I'm glad I haven't seen him in the office since because I'm sure he's going to be like, oh, I told you, Bridget, the goaltending sucked. <laughs> so well, I'm going to avoid the office is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, that's probably a good idea. <laughs> All right. Well, I think we should wrap it up right now. We have uh, Scott has places to be. We all have places to be here. Um, thank you all for listening. We will talk next week after uh, ownership and, and management speak to the media. So once again, and sorry, because last episode, Bridget, I don't know if you saw this, but my internet just shit the bed. So Scott, yeah, had the to... last like five minutes, it was <laughs> yeah. going, all right, well, guess yeah. it's me now. <laughs> so, and you did a great job, Scott, speaking on behalf of myself and Bridget. I couldn't have said it any better. We really do appreciate everybody listening and watching all year. We upped the volume to three episodes a week, and we did one after every game in the playoffs, whatever that ended up being. So we appreciate the just your listenership and support. And if you guys have any words to echo that, but yeah. And also, yeah, but all of that for sure. And we'll also just plug one last Sunday skate this weekend, 10 AM. So, you know, if you, if you haven't had enough therapy yet and there's still, still stuff you want to get off your chest, uh, you can tune, tune in me and razor Colin, whatever. I can't wait to hear what razor has to say. Cause he was the, the one positive person going into the game. And he also thought Allmark was going to play, but it was swimming. So anyway, it would, you know, too bad we don't have more on the horizon, but we just have the last one. Um, yeah. And we're still going to keep doing the podcast in the off season. So, I mean, and as far as I know, none of us are free agents. So I think, I think we should be back. Yeah. Well, my bonus we'll is carried over next year. So we'll see if we can fit everybody. <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, I think we should fit under the cap, but we're we're still figuring it out. <laughs> All right. 
Thank you all for listening, and we will talk to you next week.